Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast here with another Friday quick hit episode. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I'm excited for today's topic. You know, I've struggled a little bit with headaches over the last couple of years, which is newer to me. Um, so I'm curious about our, our guest today. Yes. So today we have a cyclist and writer, Jessica McWirt. She's based in Colorado. And I found her on Instagram a while ago, and I was super interested in talking to her. Uh, she had actually just posted, when we talked, she had just posted an article about getting Botox for chronic migraines. And she's been dealing with chronic migraines for almost 20 years uh, as a cyclist. And, you know, I really just wanted to talk to her about sort of how how that journey has looked both you know just how she she got into cycling and stuff but also just how she's sort of both advocated for herself and tried to kind of solve this this migraine issue while still focusing on her her cycling and her career and sort of doing all the things right right i mean it's always interesting to see you know when someone's struggled with something or has a condition or an injury or a certain life situation but has been you know able to keep that part of their life you know going and, and i think that probably is part of the balance of things right so it is inspiring and also informative to, to hear these stories i am perplexed by the botox so i am curious you know where and, and what so don't spoil it for me but i am <laughs> i am excited oh yeah that's actually been a thing for a while okay. you don't really hear about it a ton but apparently it does actually do some weird stuff that helps with migraines i don't know hmm. um, it's i would say it's probably not what most primary care physicians would recommend for sort of first line defense against migraines but okay. uh, i have heard of people who deal with them chronically going and getting that Peter's actually just thinking about this for himself for like those those fine lines, those wrinkles. <laughs> what, that he... <laughs> what wrinkles? You know, all those ones for my big smile. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that's quite interesting. I mean, and then you see when you rub, you know, I can sort of see that I don't want to go too far down the mechanism or possible my guess here uh, as a, a layman. But uh, yeah, you, you know, you rub your temples or your forehead, you know, when you have us. So, I mean, that sort of makes sense if there's any sort of muscular or uh, I guess, skin interaction with that, right? So interesting. Well, uh, Peter's about to just get online <laughs> just here. Just head across the road here uh, to our local. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so if next time you see Peter and he can't smile at you, that's why. Uh, but uh, maybe we should just let uh, Jessica explain this Before for we herself. make too many jokes. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, everyone enjoy today's episode with Jessica McWorth. When someone asks what you do, uh, how do you describe it these days? <laughs> Oh man. Um, I hate the, the automatic, like what I do for a living. Um, but that's kind of the go-to that's the thing that you do. But, uh, so I'm a digital marketing specialist for a startup, uh, that builds software for tour guides, like outdoor tour guides. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, I've been there for a couple of years. So I do that. Um, and then obviously ride my bike and, um, right when I, when I actually can sit down and focus and, and do it like on my own. But when you write constantly for your own job, I feel like you kind of get sucked out of the creativity. So when it comes to my own personal stuff, I'm like, what do I say now? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's the, the struggle is real when you're writing like full-time for work for sure. Um, yeah. 
Okay. We're going to back it up. How did you get into cycling to begin with? I moved to Ireland for my master's degree. And when I came back, I actually went on a first date with my friend who stayed a friend, Jared. Um, and he was a cyclist who was my age. So I was like, Oh, so people my age also do cycling. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so, so, um, yeah, he finally was like, no, like you should give it a shot, whatever. And I ended up having to ask my uncle Don, um, if I could borrow my cousin's bike who outgrew hers, who's younger than me. And it was like, just this, I don't know. It was a, a mountain bike kind of thing. It wasn't quite hybrid, but it, it definitely wasn't a mountain bike. It was just one of those, those bikes to get someone cycling. Yeah. So, generic bike. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, so yeah, so borrowed it, um, rode, I think 12 miles the first day, um, with my, with my buddy, Jared and yeah. And eventually very quickly fell in love with it. Um, it was probably like a few times into riding with like this, this bike that just like totally sucked. Um, and Jared was like, dude, you really not you need to get like a road bike. Um, and so I went online, looked for sales, uh, ended up getting my first bike from giant uh, and it was a giant avail really like entry level. Um, but at the time I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to really get into this, like, but it's like a, it's a fun way to exercise. So yeah. So I bought that named it bullseye. And then as soon as we were walking out of the shop, uh, Jared was like, Hey, do you want to do a century? And I was like, well, what the hell is that? And, uh, he was like, Oh, it's just a hundred mile bike ride. Just so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. Um, that was in January about the bike and then we did elephant rock in June. Um, and so I first started off doing like the organized rides with Jared and then he started getting more into the triathlon. And then and that's when I was like, I want to find other people who ride bikes and then, yeah. And then that goes, you're, you're dead to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> triathlon. Hmm. Yeah. As, oh, yeah. as a farmer triathlete, I, I can make fun of us. Um, I did. I did one. I did a sprint triathlon and that was it. It was one and done for me. That was enough. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Peter actually did uh, an Ironman as his first ever triathlon. Oh and he my was one gosh. And done. Yeah. He's ridiculous. Um, so no yeah. you actually have this, uh, this one quote I read, um, in an interview with you where you, you say, I don't know how I thought you could go from being not on a team to being in the tour de France. It didn't occur to me that anyone could just be a local bike racer. Yeah. And it's funny. I had the exact same feeling about bike racing. I legitimately probably till I was like, I think I was like 21 or 22 when I realized bike racing existed, but I legitimately thought the only race mm-hmm. was the tour de France. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were just sort of like, yeah, plucked from the beginning and like this person looks talented or whatever. And then they get put into some sort of, I don't know, camp or special club. And then they go on to race the tour. It just didn't even occur to me that there was like any other way that one would do bike racing. Um, Yeah. Which I guess actually gets to the importance of having a women's version of the tour de France, because how many of us, how many of us have that same exact thought, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even then, I think if I would have seen it finally, well, what's crazy. Yeah. Like I totally thought it was just like a dude sport, which I mean, it still is honestly, but, yeah. <laughs> um, it's slowly, you know, very slowly changing, but yeah, I think if I would have seen like a women's tour de France, when I first started cycling, I would have probably thought the same thing. Like, Oh, there probably was like a talent scout, like, at their, <laughs> I don't know, high school. And, and they're like, she looks like she's got some good legs and lungs. Like, I don't know. Yeah, She seems speedy. Let's just put her in the tour. That's right, that makes exactly. sense. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I feel like you, you sort of like you got started, you liked it. You started going to these organized rides, but then suddenly you're like 
racing like pretty seriously and like actually you know doing it and it's kind of becoming more of your life and i've i've also been there as like the non-athletic kid who like got into cycling but i'm always like what is it that made you just like oh this is the thing that i'm gonna pursue yeah um I honestly don't. Well, I mean, so not thinking that a club existed and Jared wanting to do like running and swimming, which I wasn't about. So I was like, I need to find other people who just want to bike. Uh, yeah. Just want, just want to do the middle event. Um, and so, um, Jared, I mean, I wouldn't have gotten into cycling as much as I did without Jared. Um, I used to like, yeah, make fun of him all the time for like how, nerdy he was with like the technology and wanting to track his heart rate and the mileage and his power. And I'm like, why would you need all this stuff? Um, and I didn't have like the financial means to like buy all these things when I first started. So had it not been for Jared, like I probably wouldn't have gotten into cycling as much as I did. And I think that's probably like a big thing. Maybe, I don't know, probably a lot like for women, um, not to like generalize, but at least as my experience as a woman, um, I don't think I would have just been like, you know, I'm going to pick up a bike and just figure it all out on my own. Like it helped a lot having someone like, kind of like hold my hand through it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think, yeah, like, I don't know, as women, we like that community and having that help. And, um, and I think we think more of like the things that could go wrong, or at least I do, where it's like, I'm going to get lost. I don't know how I'm going to get back home. Like I'm going to crash. Like, what if I get a flat tire, like all these things. Um, and yeah, and having like a friend, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be Jared, even though he was, he was a great person. Like I can rent him out, I guess, but, um, (laughs) but he was just, yeah, he taught me everything. He like, let me borrow a lot of stuff. He, he gave me like all of his old equipment instead of like, like selling it to me. He was just like, here, just have it. So I got a, like a bunky trainer from him that like was total crap, but it like, it was a trainer that I didn't have before. And then Uh he gave me like a really basic, like Garmin computer thing that he, yeah, like wasn't going to sell. So anyway, so I was finally like all set up with all these things. And when he went like the triathlon route, he told me, he's like, well, why don't you just Google like clubs in Colorado? And I was like, Oh, that's like, that's a novel concept. Right. Um, and so I did. And then that's how I found the USAC website or the USA cycling website. And then, um, yeah. And then just started like clicking around. And then finally it was like, find like your, your local association, which I was like, what is that even? And so like learning all this stuff too, while I'm like trying to just find like a club. Um, and then finally it took, it took me to the BRAC website, which is the bicycle racing association of Colorado, which I was like, what is that even? Um, so yeah, a lot of learning, a lot of clicking around. Um, and so, yeah, finally found like this whole giant list of the clubs that were in Colorado. Um, and I live in Littleton. So I was like, okay, well, I need to find something like close to me. Cause I'm not going to go up to Boulder, um, which is where all the clubs are. And yep. so, so it's sort of like the little Mecca, but, um, yeah, so I ended up finding pedal racing at the time. Um, and they've changed to physio racing now, but, um, at first they had, um, they had a club and a race team. And I was like, well, I don't know about racing. Like I just want people to ride with, uh, which I feel like is a lot of like how people get started too. They're just looking for people to ride with and then they get like influenced to start a race. Um, so yeah, so then, um, there was a women's side, which I was stoked about. And, um, they were having like a, a brunch meetup at a, some breakfast place and, um, showed up, they, we were all like introducing ourselves. And at the time I was like, I just do like organized rides, which was like, um, elephant rock, the triple bypass copper triangle. So I was doing like pretty massive, um, organized bike rides. 
And so I had the endurance, but um, anyway, they would talk about these races and they would get super excited. And, and, and what was really cool is that like, they didn't care if they were like last or they lost or, you know, if they were winning, like it was sort of just like, um, they were just excited to talk about the race in general. Um, and what was cool about that team, um, when I first started, like there wasn't a lot of pressure to come in first. I ended up putting that pressure on myself, which yeah. Um, right. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I was like, oh, wow. Like these people sound like they're having like a ton of fun and I would never have thought about racing. And they finally were like, you know what, you should try, um, time trial because it's a lot less intimidating. You know, you start on your own. It's essentially a race against time. Um, and the only time you're next to someone is if they're passing you, because obviously you can't, you know, draft anyone in a time trial. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, like if I'm going to dip my toes and in, into racing, like that would probably be like the least intimidating one. Cause yeah, you're not starting in a pack. You're not finishing whatever. So, um, cause I was super afraid of like crashing and getting hurt really bad. So, um, yeah. And then my husband and I were driving up to Esses park one weekend and I was on the USAC website again. And I saw that there was a Karen Hornbostel Memorial time trial series and it was a seven week series. And instead of just signing up for the one race, I was like, yeah, screw it. Like I'll just sign up for all seven. Why not? If I'm going to race, might as well just like throw myself into it. Um, I like that all of this is like a very casual type a thing. Like, Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> you're like, it's that funny. I, I find a lot of cyclists in this category of like, like totally not into competition, but then I signed up for the entire series. Yeah. But like not super competitive, but like, I'm going to smash everyone. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. And like, I had to race on like my road bike. So that was like a whole other thing, like coming into a time trial, but, um, but yeah, so that it was sort of like, just very quickly. I was like, Oh man, I love racing. I mean, the, even the first race I got, like I came in like fifth or sixth place out of 10 and I was already like pissed off. Cause I was like, Oh man, I suck. Like I shouldn't be here, which I'm like, you know, looking back on it, I was like, this is your first race ever. Like you had no idea what you're doing. Like I had to Google like what time trials were because I was like, I have no idea what, like what to expect. And it weirded me out that they held onto the back of your bike. Um, and you're like supposed to, you know, like <laughs> balance literally no one showed me like no one, um, the team that I joined pedal, um, no one was there at the time that I had signed up. So it was just me. My husband came with me because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I need some sort of support. And so like, you know, bless his heart. He's like stayed, watched my bike while I went to go pick up my pin number. I didn't know I needed like a BRAC license in addition to USAC. It was like a whole thing. I pinned my number upside down. So thankfully like the volunteer who saw me waiting in line, like as we were like, lining up to go like to take off she's like oh sweetheart like your your number's upside down I was like yeah thanks great so like it was just I made all the mistakes that you could make um but yeah and then um afterward like fell in love with uh racing so then started doing like the bigger ones um so I would do road races I was doing hill climbs and then I was doing the crits which um were usually the scariest but what I did notice is that a, there's not a lot of women racing. So you always had like smaller fields than the men's because 100%. I would only have the men's fields. Yeah. So I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I don't want to go into like a group of a hundred people and like crash, like how all the guys do luckily. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's crappy that we don't have a ton of women racing, but it was also good for like a beginner. Cause I was like, oh, cool. Like there's only five of us here. Like that's easy to spread out. So. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I thought that's a very good like racing tactic, but anyway, so, um, yeah, I uh, was racing um, and then got really involved in like the the team um, that I had joined. So I started um, leading the women's side um, of the roads team that we had for pedal um, and then started noticing just like 
kind of what was going on um, in our community with like women not racing. I was noticing that women were getting paid out less. Um, we always had less time or less mileage to race. We usually got like the crappier times in the day, either it was like super early or super late, or, I mean, there's no way of like making everyone happy for that, but, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. So I started noticing all that. And then finally um, I had I don't even know how it happened. I met Sean, who's the uh, president of BRAC at uh, like an event, like a cycling function or whatever. And so him and I had started talking and then um, I somehow got swept into becoming um, board of director. Like I didn't even get like the the actual paper like filled out. Like I had to have like five signatures. And when he sent that to me, I was like, oh, you know, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't really want to get five signatures. So. So I didn't, but then no one else signed up. So since I had like showed interest hey guess what like you're now a director and I was like okay like all right and then that's how um that's when I started like the whole like the women's um initiative and stuff too to get more women racing and and try that so yeah I just I flew like I just threw myself into it within um let's see I had only been racing like two or three years when I joined the board of directors and then I had only been racing one year when I became like the women's road lead so yeah that's a whole it's a whole I love it I love it and I think like what what kind of is standing out for me here is just that like if you didn't know something you googled it and got the information. And I think a lot of people get really like, they don't know how to find like the local cycling team or like, don't know how to like do any of it. And most of the answer is like, hey, just like half an hour on Google and you'll probably find something. And like the team right. might not be the perfect fit. The first one you go to, but like you can get, you can get started. Right. Yeah. A lot of people get really stressed about the, like getting started and like needing the the perfect, perfect team, the perfect gear, perfect everything. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've just kind of like figured it out, figured it out, figured it out. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've, I kind of have always been that way, but it's, yeah, I've been trying to think of like how else like you could get in front of people. Um, and it's like, I never saw, uh, like BRAC, like bicycle racing association, Colorado. I never saw them at any of the organized rides. And I feel like organized rides is probably where a lot of people start first before just being like, Hey, I got a bike. I'm going to start racing it. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who do that, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like how, I mean, I don't know what I would have done if there wasn't like internet or Google now, because and like, right? cause it's nowhere. Like you don't see, you don't see joining a team at like a bike shop. Cause like I, yeah, I would never have known that you don't see it at even like REI or something where it's sort of like a casual, like where you could pick up something like, you know, cycling related, obviously, like I've never seen anything for joining clubs. No, like occasionally they'll do it, like have like a group ride or something that's listed, yeah. but it's not, it's not really front and center. Oh, um, no. like lately on your Instagram, you've been talking a lot about uh, what I'm going to call like health stuff. In- <laughs> <laughs> um, and I feel like a lot, I, I know so many people who are going through sort of similar stuff with like recurring headaches from concussions mm-hmm. and just uh, kind of all of these sort of invisible illness type things. So I mean, for, for however much you want to walk through, like what's, what's going on? How are, how are you working through this stuff? Oh man. Um, so let's see. So when I was about like 15, I want to say this has like been the time, like, this is the time that I think it started. I started just getting headaches every day. I don't know how it happened or why or whatever. Um, like I was in a car accident, like I was the passenger, but, um, I just feel like around that time, like that's when I just started getting headaches every day. And I went through the whole rigmarole of going to like the doctor, they, and 
I was 15. There wasn't really much else about like functional medicine, naturopathy, like homeopathy, like all these things that like are way more known and accepted now. So they just threw pills at me and I was like, okay, like I'm 15. Like that sounds like a good idea. Um, and so it was, yeah, different prescriptions after prescription. And then finally my father was like, well, why don't we try like acupuncture? We tried that. We tried massage. We tried chiropractor. Like we tried all these things to try to get rid of these headaches. Um, finally, my father was like, well, when I was three, I had a tumor behind my eye and I'm like, what? <laughs> so, so he was like, maybe we should go to a neurologist and make sure you don't have the same. Um, so we did. And, um, that person also put me on like a ton of different meds. I finally did an MRI and then found out I had a brain tumor on my speech lobe. Um, it ended up being like benign, but, um, and like, I guess doctors ask me now, they're like, well, what do they, what do they call it? I'm like, I have no idea. I was 15 years old. Like it was like, I had never heard of brain tumors before in my life. Like it was like a whole thing. So yeah, they gave it some sort of name. I don't remember, but it was benign thankfully, but, um, we were watching it like over the months and stuff and it had finally grown. So finally, like the neurologist was like, we should probably cut it out in case I was like, okay. Um, so we cut it out. When I, yeah. Right. Um, so we cut it out when I was 18. Um, and then they were like, it might not take away the headaches like this. At, if you have something growing in your brain, we don't want it to continue growing. So, um, so yeah, I had nothing to do with the headaches. I still had them. Um, and then finally, like I reached a point again and like, I gave up, like I gave up on trying like to get rid of them. I just have dealt with them for the past decade. And then finally, um, the past, like at the beginning of this year, they started getting really bad. Um, and then in addition to that, I had like just this crazy ass fatigue. Like I couldn't go throughout the day without having to take a nap. Um, I was drinking caffeine. Like I was drinking so much caffeine to like get through the day. And it was like, you know, just like a sick cycle. Um, and then I was getting dizzy. It was just like a whole thing. And I had joined a new team and I wasn't able to race. I was like, I feel like crap. Like I'm not going to go race, like being dizzy. Like that doesn't sound fun. Um, and I had also been burned out from the racing scene. Like last year with like COVID, I was actually pretty stoked that racing was stopped because I was like, I'm just so sick of like the BS that comes with racing. And I think a lot of people felt that way. Like we actually yeah. heard from a few people that were just like, Oh my God, I got my weekends back. Like, like yeah. what, what do you do on a Saturday, Sunday when you don't have racing? Like, I have yeah. a life again. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. It was wild. Yeah. And I loved it. I love not having to race. Um, but then this year I joined a new team. So I was like, okay, well, like, well, I'll get back into it. Um, I had signed up for the Leadville 100. Um, and so I was like, I was serious about, yeah, going to races, but I just like constantly felt like crap. And that was like the best way to explain it. Cause I'm like, I don't know what to like, I, my head hurts. And so that's part of like that invisible, like illness thing, or like, you know, feeling like crap is that, you know, if you don't have, um, an actual injury, people can see, they don't believe that you're actually injured. And I mean, I wouldn't consider myself injured. Um, but it's like, if you have like the constant dull ache all day, every day, like I wake up with it, I go to sleep with this dull ache, like it's constant. Um, it wears on you. Like it, it sucks. Um, Hmm. So, so yeah, so I'd been dealing with, yeah, the headaches forever. And then I finally started seeing, like, started going down that route with the doctors, which is just infuriating in and of itself. Um, but yeah, so I'm, yeah, so, I mean, I'm still, still dealing with it and yeah. figuring it out. Yeah. I think that's, that's like the, the thing that most people don't totally realize. And then I think we also see a lot of people who are 
going through it, but there's always kind of this like positive narrative to it when you are talking about it online a lot of the time, if that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have this like vision of like, oh, like people are like figuring it out and like, they're going to be fine. And it's like, no, a lot of this stuff like just isn't like, it's just, yeah. it's just going to be like that now, mm-hmm. which really sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I met with, um, another neurologist who had finally sort of diagnosed what was going on. And he said it was chronic migraine and migraine in itself that I found out is a like neurological disease. And I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was like anything like that. And so much of what I've like done, you know, my research on, um, is that it's not like, it's not curable. I mean, you could take things to mask the symptoms, but like, Mm -hmm. you'll never get rid of it. So then it's like learning. Okay. So now I know this, how do I learn to like manage this pain the rest of my life? Cause this isn't going away anytime soon. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people, obviously, I think actually I've been seeing a lot more about chronic migraines lately. So I think more people actually have them than we've been like previously like led to believe. I think a lot of people just kind of thought they got a lot of migraines, right. Um, mm-hmm. but didn't really realize that it was actually like, no, this is, this is all like the same thing. It's a continuation. It's not one ra- migraine here, migraine here, migraine here. It's right. steady thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot more people I think are either being more careful with, or are dealing with like long-term concussion syndromes, which is, uh-huh. is like very kind of, they're not the same, but they're kind of similar. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you're clearly like functioning and working a full-time job and like right. getting, getting back on the bike and stuff. Have you figured out any way to like kind of manage getting through the day, um, that isn't drinking a ton of coffee. (laughs) Well, so I finally, um, yeah. And then I never told you about like the concussions and stuff. Like I was in, um, I was riding Venus to miles and not to like throw the organization under the bus or whatever. Like it wasn't their fault. It was a rider, but, um, we were going past like the first, um, first aid and I had just gotten like disc breaks. So they're, so it was new to me. Um, and very reactive, a little, little too reactive. Um, but I had, um, a woman who looked like she was going to take, like take off to the right to go to the stop at the aid station. Cause she continued to look over her right shoulder. She was looking right. I was going to pass her on the left. And like, as, as you do, um, and all of a sudden she decided to take a really quick left, like cut over for, I have no, there's literally nothing that she could have gotten on the left side. It was into oncoming traffic. Like it was to a field, like there's nothing to the left anyway. So I like, you know, I grip my brakes really hard as you do. And, um, I flew, I flew across like, oh my gosh, like I endowed. So, um, pretty sure like it was never diagnosed, like I was having a concussion, but I, I definitely had one because I felt I was super nauseous. Like I felt like crap. And then it was only 15 miles into this hundred mile bike ride. And I was like, surely we got to finish this ride. So we did. Um, oh no. <laughs> My mom was pissed at me, but, um, cause she always liked to show up to like these organized rides. Cause it was sort of like a party for like the, you know, the spectators at the end. So mm-hmm. yeah. So she found out that I crashed and stuff and she was super pissed, but, um, and then there's been plenty of times that I've like fallen on like my mountain bike and I know I've gotten like, like many forms of concussions. So I know that doesn't help with like the headaches and the brain surgery and all this stuff. So I feel like what's been happening is that, and 
like it's all just like kind of piling up and it continues to pile up. And I've never seen like a concussion specialist, which I would recommend someone to do. Um, so that way you can learn. Cause I have a friend, Hannah, um, and she had a really bad concussion and she worked with a concussion specialist and she got better. <laughs> and, um, and it was because of working with these people and like doing like the certain things with like, I don't know the eye thing and like training. Yeah. There's like all these like eye movement things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would 100%. Yeah. Tell someone like, if you had a concussion, or think you had one like to visit someone like that because it's it seemed it helped Hannah uh and now I'm stuck in like this position where I mean I don't think it was necessarily just the concussions I think it's like the whole the disease thing of inheriting it I blame my grandma because she always had headaches like all the time and I asked her like when it started when it ended and it seems like it lines up so I'm pretty sure like it just got passed down to me but anyway um, I had to, uh, cut out caffeine entirely. Um, yeah, yeah. It's the worst. Um, I mean, I'm starting to introduce it again now, but like around like March and April of this year, I cut it out entirely because I had a feeling that that was what was making me dizzy because I was having so much. I mean, like I wasn't like pounding, like, you know, five monster energy drinks a day, but right. I was having like, I would have coffee in the morning, like a couple of cups. And then I'd have pre-workout before like my Zwift races um, because it's with races, but, um, you know, as you do, but, um, but yeah, so it's just like way too much caffeine. So I finally cut it out and it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Like I hate cutting out caffeine. It's the worst thing. Cause then I'm just tired. And then like, there's nothing I can do about it. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll take another nap. Um, so what I've been trying to do, like finally my body's starting to get used to not having the caffeine. I mm-hmm. am worried though, like when it does come down to like actual races, cause I haven't raced, um, since like April, um, that I probably won't have that, like that, the spunk that you sort of need to like, be able to like get through these races and have that kind of energy, because like, it might not sound like I have low energy now, but if I'm just like kicking it or whatever, like, yeah, like I'll just take a nap. But, um, so I am concerned about that. I am trying to like get myself into a position where I can do like really hard exercises without any sort of caffeine. So that way I can be ready for like those hard starts at races. Um, and then just like the racing in general without caffeine, um, other things I've tried doing, um, God, it's, it sucks because nothing's working. Um, yeah. it's frustrating. Um, but I've tried to change up my diet too, to see if I can get rid of any like dietary triggers that might be like making the headaches or the fatigue worse. Um, so of like eliminated gluten. Um, I avoid dairy, like I avoid all the good stuff. So I'm just like, cool. Like, I guess I'll have some more broccoli, you know, but Great. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, so far it's like, I just try to stay like super hydrated, which I have never had an issue with. Um, but then also having more like electrolytes throughout the day, because I think because I sweat so much, um, and then I might be drinking just too much water and flushing those out. Um, I have been trying to drink a lot more electrolytes and stuff, but honestly, like it's sort of a crappy answer for you, but nothing has helped yet. I just sort of like, I just deal with it. I write my journal posts about it and post it online. Like that's how I deal with it. Like I'm a writer. So I'm just like, here, let me write about my experience for you guys. So. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I a hundred percent get that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's, again, it's an honest answer, right? Like I think a lo- it's very easy to be like, oh yes. I like make sure that I like have dim lighting and I wear these right. like blue light blockers and it like makes everything magically. Okay. And I think a lot of the time that's more of like band-aid solutions mm-hmm. rather than like actual like, real yeah. change. So hopefully, hopefully something comes up that you, you figure out. Um, I, know. I think it's, 
I think what happens is that like, just because the human body is so complicated, I think it's never going to be just a one thing. And I think it'll be for everyone, like, because everyone's bodies are so different. Um, one thing's not going to fix it. You're going to have to do like a ton of different stuff. So I have to, yeah, like I actually just tried Botox last week because I was so sick of like all like, cause I've been trying to do alternative stuff because I don't want to take pills and finally I got to the point where I'm like, well, I guess I'll try Botox. And now like my eyebrows are weird, but, um, <laughs> like, I was like, I'll try that for my headaches, um, and see if that works. And, and that's in a t- on top of like the acupuncture, the massage, the chiropractor, like I'm doing all these different things. It's super expensive, which is also a bummer, but yeah, it's like, I think it's not going to be just one thing. You're going to have to do like a thousand different stuff, but what sucks is like, you don't know what things are working and what doesn't it takes time. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's wild. It's super yeah. Wild. Yeah. I was actually just talking to a dietitian about blood work and I was like going mm-hmm. through past blood work with her. And I was like, Oh, like, when do you think I should like retest? Like, see, like, you know, if we've made any change, she's like, Oh, like at least three months. And I was like, that is very unsatisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's crazy is like, I mean, I've had like, um, like low back issues, um, before and I go to a physical therapist and then, um, like the physio racing, like they're the physical therapy, uh, or they work with a physical therapist now, but, um, they showed me like these different exercises. I did them every day religiously and I was better in like a week or two. And I was like, why can I get better physically like doing this, but like doing all of like all these 20 things. Yeah. Haven't, haven't taken away the headaches. My my brain is still not, uh, yeah, not doing it's, it's PT enough. I I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, awesome. Okay. So the, the last big thing I really wanted to talk to you um, about is, uh, so I was stalking your Instagram profile and you have an intention setting ebook, uh, Uh in your, your link tree there. Um, and because this is going to be coming out in like the new year ish time, a lot of people are thinking about it. I actually, I thought it was really funny when I saw that because I did an article for Canadian cycling last year. I've now written their like new year, new you piece, like for five years in a row. So every year we're like trying to figure out sort of a new, a new way to look at goals and resolutions. And last year I was all about the intentions. So let's, let's talk intentions versus goals. What's, what's the deal? Where do you stand on it? How can people harness the power? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this last night, um, because I was like, what's a good answer for this. And, um, <laughs> I, I realized, um, goals have always sort of like bummed me out too, because if I like, as a type a person, like if I don't reach that goal, which I always make super hard because I'm a perfectionist, um, then I get sad and that's no good for anyone. But, um, cause like, so for instance, like goals, I feel have like a definite, end point. Like you either reach it or you don't. Um, Mm -hmm. so all of my goals, like during racing would always be like, I want to come in first place, like in every race, that was my goals. And then I would get super sad when I would come in second or third or, you know, God forbid, you know, fourth place, not on the podium. (gasps) And like, and, and it like wrecks your mentality. And it was making cycling or bike racing, not fun for me. Cause I'm like, well, if I'm not winning, I always made the joke, like, if you're not first, you're last. Um, and like, so I'd always say that, like, when I'm like on the top, like on the second step and I knew like, um, it would sort of like trigger other people who didn't end up even getting on the the podium. Um, 
And so, um, and then it would always make me sad if I didn't get first place. And it was so stupid. Cause I was like, cycling should be fun. Like, and especially if like for people like me who pay a ton of money to stay in shape, have the equipment, like all the stuff to pay for the races, like the licenses, it's not a cheap sport, which I thought it would be, but um, jokes on me. No, everyone's always like, ah, biking. It's so like eco-friendly and accessible. And I'm like, that's hilarious. Have you tried yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but yeah, so, um, so anyway, yeah, the goals are, yeah, you either do it or you don't. So I either was coming in first place or I didn't. Um, whereas with intention setting, it was, it's more of like a mindset. Um, and, and it, it, and it ends up being like less, um, like mentally taxing, like, you know, you're, it's not one of those things like either you do it or you don't, it's like you work to do the thing. So for instance, while goals for me were increase my FTP by a certain percentage or lose 10 pounds or come in first place, um, with intention setting, I think going into this next, uh, year for racing, it's going to be like, have you heard of Mark Manson who wrote, um, uh, a subtle art. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I was having a brain fart. Yeah. The subtle <laughs> art. Yeah. Yeah. We won't finish it. But anyway, so it was always like for him, he had said like, you know, if it's not a, a heck yes or a heck no. Um, you know, I like that. I like the monitoring here. This is good. <laughs> trying to keep it PG. Um, but, um, you know, that's what he would say. Like, you know, you ask yourself, is it a, is it a heck yes or a heck no? And if it's, you know, one or the other, you follow that. So with, so my intentions going into this next race season are going to be like, if I'm, you know, presented with a race, the race has to be a heck yes for me. If I'm going to go do I it like that. Yeah. And the heck yes has to be like, okay, am I going to have fun? Um, are my teammates going to be there? Like, am I doing it for fun? Um, or am I doing it for sort of like an externally motivated goal, which would be, well, I want to come in first. I want to get, you know, points to upgrade to a cat too. Like those are all my things, but I realized, yeah, with those, those, those kinds of goals, it was just bumming me out. And that's why I wanted to take a total break from it, which last year was, yeah, like great for me. Cause I was so burned out with, with racing and like most of the races I was in, like I would get a podium step, like I would be on the podium. So it, like, it wasn't like I was coming in last all the time and I was bummed. Yeah. I was just like putting way too much pressure on myself to be really good at a local bike race. Like, and it was so dumb. And so my husband would always have to remind, remind me like, Hey, you're doing this for fun. Like you shouldn't be upset to come in third place at a bike race that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Um, and so, yeah, it was like a big mindset change for me. Like I had to do that. So anyway, long story long, um, I think intention setting is yeah. Where you kind of do like a mindset mindset shift, whereas goals are yeah like those hard, like you either reach it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the idea of sort of thinking about like how you want to feel and that's that, yeah. is it a hell yes? So mm-hmm. Exactly. If it is, that's because you're going to feel good doing it and it's going to feel fulfilled. And I think you can still have like really big aspirations within that. It's not like, it's not like you're, you're magically like no longer going to want to win a race or something like that. Right. Um, Oh yeah. No, I'll still, I'll, even if I don't say it out loud, I'll still secretly want to win the race, but I have to, like for my mentals, um, I definitely need to make sure that I'm doing it out of like fun or like challenging myself or being like more internally or intrinsically motivated as opposed to those things that like just look good to people on Instagram. Right. Like 
no mm-hmm. one cares that the race was like exciting for me, but they'll care if I came in first place and I have a picture of me on the podium step, you know, like I have to think of those things that are off Instagram instead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Always kind of a hard thing to do when we're now used to like thinking <laughs> of our lives through the lens of like, what is it, what is this going to look like on my, my feed? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's crazy that, yeah, that social is, is what it is. I mean, I grew up without social yeah. media stuff, yeah, so it's same. wild to, yeah, it's wild to see like what it, what it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny uh, here because it's, you know, it's getting to be winter in Canada and it's getting very cold. I keep realizing like, oh no, I haven't posted in like a week because it's like so cold that I'm just not taking pictures anymore because I'm outside and it's like very chilly. So I don't really want to like take out my phone. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is actually probably a really healthy moment in time for me. <laughs> like not really taking any pictures. Great. Yep. Oh yeah. I realized that last year, um, that what I had to say, like, wasn't super important, like to be posting on Instagram every day. Cause I was trying to post every day building like, you know, my brand, uh, mm-hmm. quote, unquote. but yeah, now I'm just uh, like, whatever it is what it is. Well, and funny enough, I was about to say, I actually love your Instagram because you have these like long form captions and you're really like talking about, about, you know, you talked about the Botox, you talked about concussions and like everything you're doing right now. And I think it's, it's very like authentic and it's like much more interesting than like the picture a day of like what's going on in your life kind of thing. So I think people should follow you. And on that note, um, where, where can everyone find you, follow you, check out this intention setting ebook here? Um, my handle is just Jessica lower dash thing, McWords. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete and we will see you next week.